Well, I always wanted to be a coach. Most of you know that. And I got my master's in education, and my goal was to be a teacher and a coach. And after after I was a graduate assistant coach, I went on to high, to a high school coach, and I coached football and track. One of the things I remember, I was at this small. It was a school. It was the second largest classification of schools in Mississippi. So it wasn't the biggest schools, but it, it wasn't a little bitty school. But we had this guy that uh, he, he, everybody called him preacher. He's about this big. And he was a wide, how coached him. He was my wide receiver, and uh, his name was Preacher. I have to tell you one story. He'd never gotten the ball games because he was so little. And one time I said, Preacher, I'm going to get you into the ball game. And then we had a play where all he did was stand like this, curl like this, and we're just going to throw the ball to him. He'd catch one, and they'd probably tack him immediately, but he would get a catch. And so I said, okay, Preacher, we're going to throw the ball to you. So he went like this, and they threw the ball. The ball went right there, just right through his hands. He went, I went. Preacher, that was your shot, you know. Anyway, we called him preacher, and here's why, because he wanted to be a pastor. And so every time before the game, they'd this big huddle, and they'd go, okay, preacher, and he'd go, our Father, and we'd go, our Father, our in heaven, our in heaven, hallowed be that. And he would just do the Lord's Prayer real fast. Everybody followed it, and everybody thought that was a big prayer, you know. And, and so they did the Lord's Prayer every time. And uh, I thought about what a ritual, right? I mean, I bet you nobody doing the Lord's Prayer even thought about what they were saying, our Father, our Father, our in heaven, our in heaven. I'll be the name. I'll be the kingdom come. Thank you. You know, and they just did it. Then they'd go play and we'd go win. But anyway, that's the, the way it was. Well, sometimes different churches do things differently. They sometimes have the Lord's Prayer and certain things. I, I think that sometimes if I said to you, how many of you know the Lord's Prayer? Probably everybody would what? Raise your, most of you know the Lord's Prayer, right? And you could probably say it. Did you ever think about that when you said the Lord's Prayer, that all five of the different types of prayers that we've been looking at are in this prayer? Think about that. And so we're going to look at it, and this morning we'll start, and then we'll get some more, two or three, a couple more times uh, after the new year, we'll finish out this little part. So there's a lot there. Let me remind you as we start going through, we, we raise the questions, what is prayer? Prayer is just simply talking to God. Please don't, don't try to be something other than you're not. When you talk to God, just talk to God. Just talk to God just like you talk to anybody else. Just talk to him because he doesn't say get, change your voice. It doesn't change, change your words. He says, be yourself. Come to me anytime, anyplace, anywhere about any Thing. We other raise the second question is who can approach God? Anybody can approach God. Believers and unbelievers can approach God anytime, anyplace, anywhere, about anything. And then we raise the question of why should we pray? And and because if God knows everything and God works everything according to counsel his plan, his plan, why do we pray? Well, because it shows our submission, that it's humility as we come under him, recognizing he's God. And then it's communication and fellowship. We tell him things, he tells us things, we have fellowship, and then God even uses our prayers to fulfill his plans. So we talked about that, and that was kind of a Kind of a deep study. I remember we talked about it, and we thought, oh, that's, that's a little bit deep. So there's some good things there. Last time we did finish looking at the five types of prayer, we talked through them. There's petition, worship, intercession, thanksgiving, and confession. Those are the five things. Well, we're going to find out that when we look at the Lord's Prayer, which we're going to see, and if you have your Bibles, it's Matthew chapter 6. It starts at verse 9 and basically goes through basically 13 because he then he gives in 14 and 15 he gives some issues dealing with confession of sin and that kind of thing so we'll see it as we go through so it's really 9 10 11 12 and 13 is the lord's prayer but we find that not only in the lord's prayer it not only includes worship and thanksgiving but confession intercession and petition. They're all in there. So just think, that's amazing that in this prayer where Jesus said, somebody said, 
they said to Jesus, give us a pattern. We know in, in Sermon on the Mount, he doesn't really say it that way, but later on in one of the other Gospels, they say, teach us to pray, and he says, pray in this way, and he gives them the Lord's Prayer. When you look at this, I want you to think about the outline real quickly. The, the first part's to the Father, and it's worship. Remember, this is the pattern. There's worship, it's person, and it's plan. That's what we're going to see today. Then in the second part of the, of the prayer, there's petition, intercession, and confession. All three of those are in there where he talks about our provisions, our pardons, our protection, all of those things. And then the last thing is the thanksgiving and praise, that fact that he is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever, and amen. So in reality, in the Lord's prayer, there's all different, the, all five types of prayer. And so what we want to do is just briefly look at this and we want to see uh, the the very first part, and the very first part deals with worship. I think it's really, I think it's amazing to think about worship. Because when he said, notice this, it says, uh, uh, he said, don't be like the, the Gentiles who use m- just meaningless repetition. He says, but when you pray, pray in this way. And notice how he starts, our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be your name. That's how he starts. But do you know what that is? That's worship. When you approach the living God, what do we say? We're, we're coming to God, and, and we're going to be able to, you know, we, we see the fact that we can call him the Father, right? But in reality, who is he? He's the eternal creator, all-powerful, perfect, righteous God. And we get to come to him. And so the way Jesus said, if you're going to pray, pray in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And so we start off with worship to the Father, and that's what we're coming. And this is, this is one aspect of prayer. Remember, we said one of the ways you can pray to God is to worship him. And you tell him who he is and what he's doing. Well, in this one, uh, we're going to see his plan, uh, his per- person, who he is, and his plan. But I want you to notice this. It says, uh, verse 9, it says, pray then in this way. And by the way, the word pray there is keep on praying. It's the way it's written in the Greek. He doesn't say just pray, like pray one time. He says keep on praying in this way. That's why the First Thessalonians passage 5.17 says, the, the, says pray without ceasing. We know that in another place he says keep on knocking, keep on seeking, keep on asking. And because that's what he does. He says over and over and over and over. We're going to see even in our study uh, that we'll get to a little bit later on that when you pray to God, is you, you you keep asking. You keep asking. Even sometimes we say, well, I ask and it wasn't answered. Well, it may not be, in, it may have been answered. You just didn't like the answer. Or it maybe you, it got answered. It just wasn't the way you thought he should answer it. But the idea is just keep on lifting your request to God. So he says, keep on praying in this way. Our Father who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Most of you could just do that by yourselves. You'd you'd know it. But I want you to think about it. We're going to see his person and his plan. The person is his character, who he is, and his plan is what he wants to happen. So let's start with his person. And notice what it says. Our Father, who who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. This is his person. This is who he is, our Father. He is our what kind of Father? Our Heavenly Father. Do you ever pray and say, oh, dear Heavenly Father? I do all the time. I say, oh, Heavenly Father, I ask you, because that's where he is. He's, but, but I want you to start off by thinking about this, that he calls, we, he says we can call God what? Father. Think about that. John one twelve. as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become what? What, I, what does he say? As many as received him, to them he gave the right to become Children of God. You're a child of God, right? You've trusted in Christ as Savior. You are a child of God. That means God is your 
Father. That's who he is. You can approach him as the Father. You can come to him and just say, Heavenly Father, our Father who is in heaven. He created all people, and those who believe in him, we become children of God. In fact, not only can you call him Father, because let me, let me have you ever seen a child go up and say, uh, Father, I would like to go play ball, you know, sometimes. But most of the time, what do you say? Hey, Daddy, right? Because it's closer. Father sounds a little bit structured, you know, and maybe you're in this proper family. Hello, Father. Hello. You know, and you think that. But this is, hey, Daddy. Well, this is, the, the word is Abba. It's an Aramaic word, but it means Daddy. Abba, 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 Abba. That's what they're saying when they're little. Abba, Abba, Abba. We say Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. They say Abba, Abba, Abba. Which is daddy, which is the, but it's the, it's the easy way. It's the, it's the, it's like, this is the child to the, to the father. And we can, call, by the way, let me tell you how unusual this was. When Jesus said, when they said to Jesus, show us how to pray. And he says, here's how you pray. Our father, which you are in heaven. They went, what? We, we can't, we don't, we don't call him father. I mean, we don't, we don't even say the name. The name is Y-H-W-H in Hebrew, which we say is Yahweh. We're, we don't know if that's exactly the way to pronounce it or not, but we try that. But they don't say the name. In fact, if they were writing it out, and when they came to Yahweh, they don't write that name out. In fact, they made up a name, Jehovah, to take the place of it. And sometimes if you've ever seen some writings, especially from Jewish people, when they write the name God, they put G-D. They don't put the O in there because they're not going to put his name in there. They say, you can't put his name. He's too great for us to put his name in. But what does God tell you to call him? Daddy? Uh, He's not so, when I say he's not so great above us in that sense, he says, I'm your father. I want you to call me daddy. I want you to have this relationship with me and this fellowship with me. It is not a legalistic thing, but it is a father to a child. And so I said, it's unusual. When he says, our father, we're in heaven, uh, you know, how do people judge God? How do people view God? If you talk to a lot of people, people think of God as kind of the, he's kind of mean. He's got, God the father's mean and God the son's nice. You know, Jesus is nice because he was a baby. So he was a baby, and then he's a man. And what does Jesus tell everybody to do? He says, love one another. Now, God, God the Father, he's mean, right? That's what you hear, but that's not true at all. Both God the Father and the Son and the Spirit are righteous, holy, and just. And both the Father, Son, and Spirit are all love. In fact, it says God is love. That's who he is. So when we come to the Father, you can come to the Father, and you can say, hey, Heavenly Father. You can say, hey, Heavenly Daddy. You, you can come to him as a child to a father. And then notice what he says. Our Father who what? Who are in heaven. In heaven. It's a place of exaltation. It's a place that's lifted up in the heavenly places. In fact, notice, literally it says, our Father who in the heavenlies. Heaven is almost never plural in the Scripture. Even it says, our Father who is in heaven, literally says, in the heavenlies. Heaven is always plural because there's more than one heaven. Paul said he got caught up to the third heaven. We did a study, we just did a study on Wednesday nights, angels and demons, and we talked about there is one heaven, another heaven, and a third heaven. The third heaven seems to be where God dwells, and the second heaven seems to be where the angels dwell, and the first heaven is our atmosphere where we dwell. And so he's called in the heavenly places. It literally says in the heavenlies. So he says, our Father who's in the heavenlies, 
our Father who are in heaven. Notice the location in the heavenlies. It, it's, he's high and lifted up. He is the sovereign ruler over everything. Now let me ask you a question. Where is our home? Where? Where, Maxine? It's in heaven, yeah. Now, we are, we are strangers and pilgrims on this earth, right? We're ambassadors for Christ. We represent him. Our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. Philippians 3, our home is in heaven, where our citizenship is in heaven. We just here for a while, in a sense. And when I say uh, heavens, because that's where he is. He's seated at the right hand of the Father and the Father. So, but one of these days, he's going to come back. We'll rule with him on this earth for a thousand years. And then he'll make a new heavens and a new earth. But our citizenship is not this world. We've been taken, we live in the world, but we're not of this world. We belong to him. So he says, our Father, our Heavenly Father. And, and listen, he's high and lifted up. I want you to see this. Look at this in Isaiah 6.1. In the year King Uzziah's death, I, this is Isaiah, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne, lofty and exalted. Some of our Bibles say high and lifted up. This is the same place. With the train of his robe filling the whole temple. What? Oh, my gracious. Have you ever seen the descriptions of the Lord sitting on his throne? Isaiah has it. Ezekiel has it. John has it. Just read John chapter 4. I mean, I'm sorry, Revelation chapter 4. John is telling about it. Revelation chapter 4. Read Ezekiel, the very first, past, the first chapter of Ezekiel. Look at Isaiah. He's got him lifted up, and he's got the angels that are around there. And we did a whole study on angels and seraphim and, and, and uh, cherubim, and they're not little cute things at all. They're strange beings that, oh, my. You know, just, just read those passages. And here he is, lofty and exalted. He's high and lifted up. And we pray to the Heavenly Father. Now, I, I told you about this verse, and we had you all reading it from uh, the Bible, you know, reading it the other day. But this passage to me is amazing. First Chronicles twenty nine eleven. Look what it says about God. It says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness. You're the greatest, and the power. You have all the power. And the glory. You have all the glory. And the victory. You give the victory. And the majesty, because you're the king and you rule. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens, plural, and the earth, yours is the dominion. You're the ruler of it all, O Lord, and you exalt yourself as head over all. What a verse. Is that an incredible verse? Look who he is. Think about who he is. He's high and lifted up. When you come, you say, our Father who are in Heaven, the lifted up one, the one in the heavenlies, the, the one we can call daddy, and yet when we think about him, he is so exalted. He's above everything. And then look at the next word, hallowed be thy name. People go, hallowed? What, I don't even know what that means. Hollow out something? What does that mean, hallowed be your name? Hallowed means to be set apart. It's the idea of holiness. He, he could have said, holy is your name. He is unique because when we say hollow and set apart and holy, Greek word is hagios, it has an idea of being set apart. It's unique because he's set apart. First of all, there's nothing like him. He is the creator. Everything else is the creation. Be really careful when you say something like, I mean, there's a song and people used to sing it and they'd say, he is the air that we breathe. He is not the air that you breathe. He created the air that you believe. He is not part of the creation. He is separate from his creation. That's why he's called the holy, lifted up God. He is not, that's pantheism, by the way, to say that Jesus is the air or the grass or the trees. Or the, that's pantheism. 
That's wrong. Jesus isn't part. I mean, God, God or the Jesus isn't, isn't in the creation. He's separate from the creation. He spoke it all into being. So he's separate in the fact that he's hollowed because he's set apart, nothing like him. He is the creator. Everything else is the creation. But we recognize this. We call him the Holy One. What do you call this, the Bible? What does everybody call the Bible? The Holy Bible, right? Holy Bible? What does holy mean? Set apart. This is the set apart book. God the Father is the set apart Father. Did somebody lose their place? What? What? Do you got up? Oh, okay, okay. I didn't know. Were you coughing? I didn't even know. I didn't even hear any coughing. Okay, but anyway. So, bottom line, that that he is set apart. He is hollowed. So, we say this way: Our Father, our Abba, our Daddy, who is the heavenly lifted up. One who is set apart, set apart. Your name is set apart because you're God. You're you're set apart. Give me some names of God. Hmm. Yahweh. Okay. Hmm. Emmanuel. God with us. That's Jesus, isn't it? Elohim. El. El Shaddai. El Elon, El Elon means high and lifted up one. El Shaddai means the power, the one who provides all the needs. Adonai, Elohim, Adonai. The Lord God. There are just all kind of names. You've, and then you could say, well, you could say Jesus. That's a, that's a name of God, isn't it? I mean, that's the same name as Joshua, which means Savior. So that's his name. So it says, when you pray, here's what you pray. You say, keep on praying this. Our Daddy, who is the high and lifted up, set apart, perfect, holy God. That's who we're going to. And you can go to him anytime, anyplace, anywhere about anything. Is that right? Wow. Okay, but then there's a plan. There's a plan. I'm looking at the clock. There's a plan, and here's the plan. Notice what he says. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the plan. is the kingdom, right? Isn't that the plan? We all say the plan is the heaven. You know, we say, when you die, you're going to go to heaven. But the real truth is, you, heaven's a short time. If you were to die right now and go to heaven... It's a short time till Jesus comes as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and you'll spend at least a thousand years in that kingdom, and then the eternal kingdom, you'll be with Him forever and ever and ever. So the kingdom is the key, and so this is why, of course, Matthew presents Jesus as the what? The King. Exactly right. So y'all didn't say like y'all remembered that. We've been doing this every week. How does Matthew present Jesus as the King? So he says, "What does he pray? Your kingdom come." Your will be done on earth. He's saying, we want the kingdom to come. The first time Jesus came, did he offer himself as the king? Did he offer himself as the king? Yes. What did he say? The kingdom of heaven is here. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is here. He says, the king, the king is here. They even ask him, and he says, the kingdom is in your midst. The king is here. He offered himself to Israel as the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and they did what? They rejected him. He was rejected. So on the first coming, he offered himself as king, but they rejected him. So what did he do? He what? What did he do in the first coming? He died. He died. Exactly right. Think about this, okay? He came the first time, and he offered himself as the king. The whole gospel of Matthew is pre Jesus presenting himself as king. In fact, there's some places in there where he tells them, don't go to anybody but the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Why would he say that? What about all the rest of us?
He's not offering to the Gentiles the fact that he's the king. He's offering to the Jews that he's the king. And they rejected him. And so at the very end of the book, Matthew 28, Jesus came out and spoke, saying, All the authority has been given me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations. That's the change. He says, now go to all people now. I came, I offered myself as king, rejected, so I died and rose again, and I'm sending you out to the whole world, and then one of these days I'm coming back again as the king of kings and the lord of lords, and I will rule in righteousness and justice. And that's when thy kingdom come, thy will be done. When? On earth as it is in heaven. When will it be on earth as it is in heaven? In the thousand years and then the eternal state. That's what's going to happen. There's a whole group of people that were called post-millennialists that actually believe, some of them are still here today, that actually believe that the church is going to evangelize the world and it's going to get better and better and better and better and we'll have the kingdom on earth, a glorified time in which everyone will eventually become Christians and then Jesus comes back. That's why it's called post-millennial. He comes back after the kingdom. Do you believe that's going to work? In fact, do you see something opposite from the Bible? What do you see in the Bible? In the last days, it will get what? Better and better? No, worse and worse. So it's going to get worse and worse, and then we're going to be taken out. There'll be the tribulation, which we saw in the book of Daniel and Revelation, and then he's going to come back as the king. And that's when your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The glory of the king is coming to the earth. So Jesus says, when you pray, pray this way. Pray to the heavenly Father. He's your daddy. You can lift up any request. Just remember, he's set apart and he's glorious and he's the greatest. And here you pray. One of the things you want is that one, you want the kingdom to come. You want Jesus to come as the King of kings and Lord of lords. And when he comes, there will be a, a time he will come to this earth. And Revelation 19, 20. But, and then, then the prince of the air. Who is that? Who is the prince of the air? That's Satan. If you were in my class over the, over the last semester, angels and demons, we know Satan's called the prince of the power of the air. Then when Jesus comes as the king, the prince of the air will be replaced by who? The king of kings, Jesus Christ. And the lifestyle of this fallen world when Jesus comes will be replaced by the righteousness of the king. That's why his world will be, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Do we wish we could see that righteous living now? So this is the worship, the very beginning of the, the gospel uh, of the, uh, what we call the Lord's Prayer. And he begins by saying, let's worship the Father. Let's talk about who he is, and let's talk about what he's going to do. What's his person? He is the Heavenly Father, set apart the holy, righteous God. What's his plan? One day, the kingdom and the righteous living on this world. That's the start of the prayer. That's the worship part of the prayer. We hadn't got to the petitions. We hadn't got to the intercession. We hadn't got to the, to the confession. We hadn't got to the praise aspect. That's all in the Lord's Prayer. We just spent 30 minutes on what, two verses? And that's just the beginning of the Lord's Prayer. There's so much there. Next time we'll move to petition, intercession, confession, thanksgiving. So let me give you a couple applications real quickly. Number one, let's understand the pattern of the Lord's Prayer. It's got all five things in it. You might, uh, if you want to, 
Uh, come by and see me or something. I can give you a copy of the outline of the Lord's Prayer if you want it. It, it has all five things in there. Understand that we, let us, let's pray to our Heavenly Father. What do you call Him? Abba. You can. Now, He's holy and set apart, but you can, He rules the world, and He's the perfect, righteous God, but you get to call Him what? You get to call Him that. Nobody can do, nobody's ever done that. Nobody's ever done that until Jesus came. Jewish people wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it. They said, oh, he, he's, he's too set apart. And then he came as a person. That's what Christmas is all about. Perfect, righteous God becomes a human being. And then last but not least, let's live righteously as we look forward to the coming of the King Jesus who will rule the world. That's coming. And that's when we pray, Lord, let the kingdom come, we pray one of these days. And for us, because see, let me ask you a question. When he prayed this prayer, he told him to pray this prayer, could the kingdom have come right then? Could, could, could the kingdom have come? If the nation of Israel would have believed in Jesus Christ as Messiah and Savior, the kingdom would have come. And you know what they would have to have done? They'd have to crucify him in belief. There would still have to be the tribulation because those were the promises of the Old Testament. Those were the prophecies of the Old Testament. I know that's hard to grasp, but they could have believed. Listen, on the day of Pentecost when Peter stands up, how long has that been after Jesus died and rose again? Fifty days. Fifty days after Jesus died and rose again, Peter stands up and he tells the Jewish people right then if they will believe in Jesus as Messiah the time of refreshing will come. That's the second coming in the kingdom. He offers the kingdom to them again, Peter does, on the day of Pentecost. If the Jewish people would have believed in the Messiah and the Savior, then the kingdom would come. It didn't. They didn't. Y'all understand that? It's, it's pretty deep stuff. It's pretty deep stuff.